This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. The information and opinions are derived from individuals and are not to be taken as a guarantee. We here at In The Money provide you with content, not a guarantee of performance. We are not liable for any bets or action you take as a result of this podcast. Cause she bougie. Ass got me feeling woozy. I'm rolling loose. Leave she begging. She can't be choosy. We make a movie yeah. starring Ricky Ricardo and she my Lucy. Lucy. Cut, it's a rap. Put the bean up on the map. Yeah, I need my pockets fat. So I ain't got time to chat. Yeah. In the trees like I'm sad. They don't get it. Take a lap. Yeah. Waking up to a snaps. In the booth. Take a nap. Why her mom have to say she never seen something this rare? When you see me and come up to me, just say what's poppin' player. Poppin'? You can hit me and come kick it. We can put one in the air. Cause I'm smoking. Like I'm Willie, play guitar just like I'm Mayor. Yeah. What's up, John? What's up, guy? Not much, man. Still reeling from a tough Syracuse weekend, but. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Syracuse fan. That's uh, that's that is tough. <laughs> yeah, we both we both went there, so uh, this was a rough weekend for us. <laughs> oh, word. Um, so I think we should uh, just go ahead and get started, and uh, I think our first topic is going to be you know sort of looking at the Western Conference and teams that have been a surprise I think early in the year and I think leading that list has been how good Portland's played especially coming off crushing defeat last year in the playoffs and I'm sort of wondering with Portland if there's any kind of internal growth that this team and these guys on this team have left or if this is kind of what their final form is going to be um I think that's a good question I mean if you look at Portland's roster the only the only young player that pops to me is Zach Collins, who, you know, I, I haven't watched a ton of the Blazers, but I've watched enough to see, like, that kid has some real talent. Um, and the people that seem to pay attention to that team feel like I, I think he has another gear in him. Um, you know, that being said, I'm, I'm kind of of the same opinion as everybody else who, who watches Portland, which is like, how far can you go with two, I don't want to call them undersized guards, but when you put them together in the same backcourt, it's like, you know, especially dealing with, with some of the other backcourts, especially in that conference. Um, I don't know that either of the, those two guys could play any better, one. And two, I don't know that there's a trade like that makes sense that doesn't involve one of those two guys that, that brings back like a significantly better return. I mean, I thought they had a potentially really good opportunity this summer with, um, apparently they had something on the table with Boogie, but he shares an agent with, um, you know, Nurkic, which is like, that's terrible luck because now they have not only no Boogie, which, you know, who knows, but they also have like a shitty Nurkic contract. That, I, I mean, I'm not a, a huge fan of his. Why? What, what do you guys think of the Blazers? I think Zach Collins is a, is a great point, and we were talking about this a little bit between ourselves before. Like, he has so much raw talent, and we kind of saw it in college as well. I haven't really seen it come to form too much yet, personally, but I think there's a ton of like potential for him to grow. That being said, though, I think Dame and CJ are good enough to be the premier scorers on a team, but at the same time, they're they're missing that piece, and it kind of does result, revolve around Collins because he's the one guy that could potentially be that, but at the same time, he's not quite there yet, and they're kind of going to run out of their window, in my opinion, pretty soon. I think there's only so many years that Damon CJ can kind of do this thing and have them be contenders, but they're still a piece or two away. So I think the development of Collins is a huge factor, and they, they do have some nice pieces going down the roster as well, 
but they're obviously just not even in the same conversation as you know the Golden States and Houston when they kind of get it going, which I assume they will. So I think ultimately, if they want to cash in on Damon CJ's prime, they gotta kind of make a move because I don't know if they have the time to wait for Collins to develop or not. But that that's the thing that's tough is because like if you're if your best young asset is essentially a five and in a game today, I mean, you know, that's that's what Collins is, he's a five. Like who's who out there is trading you, you know, uh, an established semi maybe borderline all star level player for a guy who's a five because you look around the league and it's like it's I don't know that that deal is out there. Um, you know, they, I mean, ultimately, the Turner contract, I just, I don't know that they're ever going to be able to get out from from that mistake. Um, you know, but it comes off the books after 2020, they'll, they'll still have Lillard and McCollum, you know, at that point. Um, a bunch of their other money will also come off um, after 2020 as well, so... You know, you never know. Might might not happen this year. Might not happen next year. But it's John. John, I actually I actually like kind of the direction you're taking it because this team. The one thing that scares me, if I'm a Portland fan, is that this team honestly reminds me a lot of what the Wizards look like, and maybe a more a less dysfunctional version of the Wizards. That's a great point. We've seen the Wizards try to build around Wall and Beal, and they never really found that third guy. They thought Porter was it, but he wasn't really it. Kind of like how uh, I think Portland has viewed you know, Evan Turner as the guy that maybe could have helped put them over the edge. He didn't really turn out to be that guy. The Wizards had Gortat for so long, who kind of like Nurkic, he's, he's fine, but on the contract he's getting paid, he's not really worth that. Um, and so yeah, for me... For me, I watch the Wizards, and I look at them, and I'm like, that's a team that if they had decided to go, like you were kind of saying, with the Blazers, trade one or the other of Wall and Beal, they might be in a better position today. But they held on to them for too long, and now I don't think they have the value they did a few years ago. So that's my worry if I'm Portland is, do I give up on this? Do I blow this up? Because if I wait too long, all of a sudden this is what I'm going to be stuck with, and then I'm really fucked because now I don't have anything else you know, going for me. No, uh, and, you know, hindsight's always, they made that Swanigan pick. I mean, that's just a, a waste of draft pick. Um, the Leonard contract, obviously, is, is heinous. Um, I, mean, I will say this. I, again, I have not watched a ton of Portland this year, but the Simons kid, um, by all indications, seems like he, he might be a player. Um, and obviously, he's, like, super young. So, you never know. If he pops, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, I'll put it this way. If they finish second in the West this year, it wouldn't shock me in the least. I, I think one one last thing to say about I, and I feel you can insert like fifteen different teams and say this, but that would have been a perfect Jimmy Butler destination. He, I feel like if they could have somehow gotten it together and gotten a good package for him, he would have been the like exact addition that they needed to kind of really make themselves legitimate contenders. Obviously, I think Philly kind of falls in that same that same boat, but I think insert Jimmy Butler on that roster and that team could I think they could give maybe a game against Golden State they could give him a game well you know what that would have been so I mean my based on what Minnesota got you would have figured the only the only way that would have been possible would have been I mean obviously they're not going to trade Dame for Jimmy that defeats the purpose so I mean I, I feel like you would have needed to include McCollum and then you know, where could that team have gotten, like, Damon Butler? I mean, I guess the only benefit there is if, then if Butler left after this summer, or did leave this summer, 
then you just trade Dame for like a package of young players and picks and like there you go there's your rebuild um, but yeah no so, so much for that yeah um, that it's funny because I think as Connor was saying you see that a lot of the teams there's a lot of teams out there that could have used Butler New Orleans uh, Philly you know, Portland is another one. There, you know, you name a bunch of teams that could have used Jimmy Butler, and I think that that speaks to the lack of good wing depth in the NBA, like the lack of maybe even elite wing depth in the NBA, and how teams are so, and how teams are so geared towards that. And it's funny, I think you saw that this year when everybody was talking about rookies of the year. You know, our favorite Kevin Knox. People were hyping him up. People were talking about Doncic. People were talking about. Um, you know, Mikel Bridges, there was a lot of talk about like Bagley, all the different rookies, but early in the season to me, Aiton has just separated himself. And I think everybody after the draft was kind of like looking to find the next Donovan Mitchell and kind of forgot that Aiton, he's a game changer. Uh, I like, it's like, I like Aiton. I mean, obviously the guy's already putting up 16 and 10. As, I, mean, I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how bad a team is. If you're, if you're putting up 16 and 10 and you're playing 32 minutes a night... And, and shooting 60%. You know, yeah, I mean, it, uh, like, clearly, he's going to be a huge a huge piece going forward. Um, I'm, you know, and I'm cool building around a center if that center can, you know, give you some defensive versatility. He's not, you know, he's not going to get killed if he's out on an island against a, a guard or a wing or whatever. Um, and obviously the, the three-point potential is, is there also. I I mean, just looking back through NBA history, I, I feel like if you're if a rookie on a last place or a close-to-last-place team is going to get that award, he needs to, like, blow away everybody else statistically. And I, I just feel like... and Not that Doc, not that the Mavs are going to be, like, <laughs> finish the season that much better than the Suns, but... Like look at look at Doncic last night. I mean, he I don't want to say he single handedly uh, beat the Warriors, but he was the best player on the team that beat the Warriors. Like it's a half of the Warriors, but still, um, I I personally would I would pick Doncic at this point, but who knows? I Aiden could still win it definitely. I think you talked about Aiden's versatility a little bit, and obviously Doncic is extremely versatile as well. It kind of speaks to the fact that there's different ways in which. These young guys are affecting the game. Like they're so completely different players, but they all bring so many different dynamics to a team. And it's really kind of cool to see the dichotomy between like a big man and a point guard and doing these different things. And like especially in a rookie class that is so deep, and these guys are just having such an impact right away. I think it's kind of rare. But to to talk on the Suns a little bit more, I'm kind of shocked at how bad they are, honestly, because obviously Aiden's putting up these numbers. Devin Booker's a bona fide stud. We know that much. They've had top five picks. You know, we know a lot of them haven't panned out so much recently. But what do they have? Two, three wins. I feel like they should be a lot better than that. I, I agree. I was, yeah, I was hoping to see them maybe take another step this year. I so I mean, you look at them. They have not one, not two, um, but it looks like they're on the path to having three top um, ten picks, essentially. Actually, no, sorry, four. Because if you go back to Jack. Alex Len, yeah. not on the team anymore, did, didn't contribute anything to them. Um, Marquise Chris, gone. Um, what's his face? The uh, Jackson from Kansas? Home, 
No, I was going to say the homeless man's KP, uh, Dragon Bender. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what a terrible <laughs> pick that was. Yeah. Dude, oh. They didn't, you know, pick up his, his fourth-year option, which is, you know, insane when you think about it. And then, yeah, you were, you were starting to say, Josh Jackson, I mean, it's not quite, like, Markel Fultz-level worried, but he, it's, like... You figured Jackson's floor was going to be a guy who would shut down the opposing team's best wing and at least like allow you to penetrate the defense. And he's he's just not he's not an efficient player on offense at all. He doesn't look like he's the smartest player on offense. And defensively, he like hasn't looked great. So like you add all that up, I'm like, yeah, you're getting some good performances. <laughs> but like when T.J. Warren is your second best scorer, I'm not sure that's a good thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he's, I mean, he's just, I, I think he's not the answer. I think, as you said, Phoenix has, you know, one of the more questionable draft histories in terms of recent success there. And I think you're seeing it with them having to go draft again Mikael Bridges and then go sign Trevor Ariza. That, to me, it looks like they know that Josh Jackson isn't really, you know, the guy that's going to help put them over the top at the wing position. And so it, it'll be interesting to see... Uh, where they go, but switching from switching from possibly the youngest team in the NBA to one of the oldest, uh, the Grizzlies. I think they've been a huge surprise this year for me, and even more so because Jaron Jackson. It's not even like he's playing all that incredible. Uh, Mike Conley hasn't been playing that great. Gasol isn't shooting very well, and so to see them still be able to be a competent team has been surprising to me. Um, I was higher on Memphis than most coming into the season just because, like, I there's been a lot of fluctuation, I would say, in the Western Conference generally. Like, you know, the Clippers, like, those guys, uh, they're, they're granted they're playing very well, but they haven't played together for, for that long, um, a lot of those guys at least. You know, um, and... Houston obviously lost some key pieces. The Lakers, lots of changes. Jazz, you know, despite the great season last year, still kind of feeling their way. Spurs, obviously, big changes. Like, the Grizzlies, they know who they are. They've been, I know they've kind of undergone, they went, they went, not, I don't say a metamorphosis um, under the brief Fisdale tenure, but like, you know, they kind of modernized a little bit, but they're still the Grizzlies, right? Like, and we know what the Grizzlies are for five, six years now. So it's like they go out there, they do what they do, they play hard-nosed defense. And, like, I I think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I, I, It's early to say that, and that would mean that someone that was definitely expected to make it is not going to be there. But, yeah, I... I wouldn't be surprised at all if they made it. What, what do you guys think? I know. I mean, I'm personally a huge Gasol and Conley guy. I love the two of them together. And it's always been disappointing historically because they've never really even put themselves in a position to legitimately contend. But that being said, I think like the most surprising part, I'm not even too surprised that they're actually good. I'm surprised that they're this good without those two being mm-hmm. the players that have always contributed in the way that they have which is kind of remarkable. I mean, there's a bunch of guys looking at the roster before the season that you wouldn't have thought would be in this position. But like you said, I think the West is incredibly open beyond, obviously, Golden State. And they're going to put themselves in a position to be a, a 6, 7, 8 seed, which is really remarkable, all things considered, and how these guys are playing. But I think we can attribute 
entirely their success to our guy Fizdale just laying the foundation <laughs> <laughs> of, of just a, a dynamic franchise. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, but I mean, yeah, I think a very interesting team to watch in the West. And maybe you said you were higher. I personally was not. So I'm really curious to see if they can keep this up or if it's kind of so early in the season and it might fizzle out a little bit later on as, you know, we yeah, get into the dog days. Yeah, I mean, they're, listen, they're still they're 26th in the league in three-point attempts per game. That's, you know, not great. They're um, a league average team in terms of shooting the three. So, you know, they've, they've maybe kind of regressed a little bit to what they what they used to be, what their comfort level is. But, I mean, any way you cut it, when you play that caliber of defense, like, and you... It's not even just, like, the, their defensive ceiling... It, it's not that that's even that high it's like just a commitment to bring it night in and night out and they do that and that's like when people talk about culture and like organizational ethos and all that BS that we <laughs> we tend to, to make a bigger deal of than we probably should it's, but it's not BS because like that's that's what the Grizzlies are it, it um, has to be set it has to be set from your best players. It has to be something that your best players are willing to do, and I think that's the reason not only they've had it, but that they've been able to sustain it for so long. But you talk about them getting in the playoffs, and to me, the, the one reason I have a hard time you know, seeing, seeing them make the playoffs is because I think that probably kicks out someone like the Spurs. And as crazy as it is, after all the transformations that they've gone through, I'm still going to have a really tough time not believing that Greg Popovich is going to find a way to have his team making the playoffs. You know, I think DeRozan looks great there. I think Aldridge, you know, has sort of had a rebirth the past year or so. And then the question is, because they lost a lot of point guard depth with DeJounte Murray, can Patty Mills step up and, you know, maybe be a little bit of an engine for them? I, so I wrote uh, like a, a preview column before the season like looking at all 30 teams and I, I think I actually wrote the words um, that like I guaranteed that the Spurs would make the playoffs because it's Popovich and it's the infrastructure and I am already willing to go back and say that I was wrong wow. um, because I think it's not that the infrastructure has changed it's not that Popovich has gotten worse but like, I think the players that they have are all playing you know fine like up to their um, ability, but the conference is just—it's it, just there's not enough. You know, the music has stopped, and I don't think there's going to be enough chairs. That—that—that mm. <laughs> that, that might be what it comes down to. Because like right now, you look at the standings: the Lakers are out, and the Jazz are out. Um, and yeah, could the Grizzlies drop out? Sure. Could the Clippers drop out? Sure. Could one or two even of those other teams drop out? Sure. But I. I don't know. I just don't know where the help is coming from from San Antonio. They have a negative scoring margin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know that's a real thing. So I, I I could see them finishing ninth. Maybe they sneak in, but if I had to bet right now, I'd probably bet against it. I also don't think you can rely on Patty Mills to be like a key <laughs> a key piece of your team. I, 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 like he can be a spark plug guy off the bench that maybe on a good night can go for like twenty points, but you can't be trotting him out there and expecting him to deliver consistent night-after-night performances and be one of those main guys in your rotation. Although I, I do think that, obviously, DeRozan is awesome. Aldridge, I still have faith in him. I know I'm probably higher on him than a lot of other people, even though he just always looks so lethargic out there. He does just have a really well-polished <laughs> okay. offensive game. Never looks like it's going in. Yeah, it like, <laughs> it's just, like, awkward, kind of just, like, trotting around. But 
Uh, I, I I think the Spurs are still going to make the playoffs. Popovich will get it together, and he'll scheme in the second half enough. They have enough serviceable NBA players, and as Knicks fans, we all know that what a team without NBA caliber players yes. looks like, and they have plenty of those. So I think I think they'll sneak in towards the latter half of the the Western Conference. The one thing I'll say is Aldridge is only shooting forty one percent from the field so far this year. So like that, you know, that obviously is going to go up. Um, so maybe I don't know. Maybe it helps him sneak in. Uh, it, look, it wouldn't shock me. I just if I had to pick right now, I'd right? Pick I mean, I, I'm in I'm in the same position. I, I agree that if you look at it, it looks bleak. The one thing I'll say that uh, about the Spurs is I feel like when it comes to those dog days of you know, January and February, and teams are, you know, struggling or on back-to-backs. Popovich always finds a way to, you know, win games that he shouldn't and not lose the games he should in those moments. So I think that maybe we'll see Popovich be able to press the right buttons there. But uh, moving on to the Eastern Conference um, and sort of the biggest news that we've had in the NBA this year, we talked about a little bit earlier, the Jimmy Butler trade. And how the Sixers look now, you know, about a week after, how we think the fit is going to evolve between these three players. I know it's early, but uh, taking a look at it, I think, is always interesting. Um, I think basketball-wise, the, the fit is going to be fine. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really worried about how those guys will coexist on the court. I mean, it's tough when, I mean, obviously, the critique is going to be over the lack of shooting. Um, and it's tough when of your three best players, one of them is uh, a non, I mean, I forget about a non three point shooter. Ben Simmons is like a non out, outside of 10 feet uh, shooter. <laughs> There's centers that are better shooters, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, so that's tough. You know, Butler is shooting well from three um, so far. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that continues. And, like, Embiid, it's like, yeah, you get your center shooting threes, but 33% is still 33%, and I don't know that how much that's going to go up. So can you survive in a playoff series where, you know, and, and I, even if your other two guys on the floor are, like, elite, 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 and they already have one of those guys in Reddick, and I'm sure there's going to be a move coming for um, another guy because uh, I don't think they're going to sit tight, whether that's – you know, Corver or, or uh, hey, maybe it's uh, Cornelia. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, hopefully, right? Um, I, that being said, I think sometimes we tend to, I don't want to say overvalue shooting, but like, you know, so wh- like, why do you need shooting on the floor, right? You need shooting on the floor to play off of you. Well, if anybody plays off of Ben Simmons, he's just going to use that as a runway to get to the basket and then make, you know, make damage happen that way. It's like kind of a similar thing from Jimmy Butler. If you give Jimmy Butler room, he will figure out a way to, to, to hurt you. So I, the, the shooting is a concern. I don't know that it's that big of a concern for me. That being said, do I expect them to make the finals? No, I don't expect them to make the finals. I, I don't like the trade, honestly, because I love Jimmy Butler. I think we all agree that he's a, a top-tier NBA star. But I think depth-wise, the Sixers really shot themselves in the foot here because Sarge and Covington were both solid players that, you know, starters obviously on their team. And losing those depth guys, which, you know, when you look at their roster, like other than the top three, it kind of has a steep fall-off. At least those guys were good intermediary-type players that can provide some balance and can help carry you a little bit on an off-knife uh, Simmons or Embiid doesn't have it 
And I think you're kind of putting all your be- too many eggs in the Jimmy Butler basket per se when you look at the rest of their roster because there's not enough other guys that you can count on to score on a night by night basis. I mean, Fultz, I don't even like. I feel bad kind of going in on him just because. <laughs> I mean, you look at his free throw. Like, I don't want to bully him anymore, but I mean, he's just atrocious. It, it's so. T- I, I. I. If you, th- I, I, I understand that they now have three of the top twenty players in the league, and you know, there's they're they're one of two teams that you know that could say that, and that's that's amazing. But like, if you think of what could have been. For this franchise, between you know, it's like it's not only Fultz versus Tatum; it's Fultz and the pick that they gave up. And right. The Kings are doing well, and the pick you know might not be like that great, but still for a town pick. <laughs> yeah, um, you know that the Okafor, you know Okafor over <laughs> KP, and then even you know I even go back to um, uh, to Nerlens Noel, like they got nothing. For Nerlens Noel and Nerlens Noel, at the time that he was still with Philly, like there was a time where there was like buzz about that guy. They could have moved him for you know something of better value. I mean, they ended up getting a second round pick, and um, what's his face who's not even who's not even playing for them. It's it's just for as good as it is, it's like oh my god, this could, they could have dominated the league for a decade if they yeah. played their cards even a little bit more right. I actually loved Nerlens, but uh, that he he just hasn't panned out to be what I thought he was going to be. But you're right; they didn't get really anything for him. Uh, I I agree with uh, Connor. I think your your biggest problem is your depth, and I think we've seen teams where where JJ Redick was the fourth best player on the team, aka the Clippers, for you know what was it five six years? Lob City, and that that just doesn't that just doesn't seem to work out when you don't have enough other depth around it. Uh, so you know. John, I think you were talking about, you said you didn't see them making the finals. If you had to place your money today, you know, the Celtics are struggling a little bit. The Bucks look like a whole different team under uh, Budenholzer. And, uh, you know, Toronto with Kawhi is looking as dominant as you would expect. So my question to you is, who, who do you see coming out of the East? Uh, I see Toronto um, myself. I, I've watched, I mean, played the Knicks just the one time. Um, I've watched a couple of their other games, you know, but just, you know, paying attention to, like, (laughs) they, if you could construct a perfect NBA team within, I want to say, reasonable means, and (laughs) I say reasonable means because, like, uh, as opposed to your having to, you know, having, like, all this cap room in the same summer that the cap spike happens and uh, Kevin Durant happens to be sick of his teammate that summer. <laughs> like, outside, outside of, like, insane things that happen once every 50 years, you I don't think you could construct a better team for the modern game than the Raptors have constructed. I mean, I think, um, I want to say it might have been Jonathan Charks who had a piece in the ringer this week about how the, it's, like... It's an entire team of three and D guys that can switch onto like two and three and four positions, um, and on top of that, you have you know when healthy the whatever third, fourth, fifth best player in the in the world who's already won a Finals MVP. I'd argue second. Um, what's that? I'd argue second best player in the world, but that's not here when, there. I mean, I guess it depends. Like, I, I always love those those like monikers because it's like, well, what. What is your definition of like the be- like? Because right, Kawhi Leonard, right. yeah, he's the best defensive player when healthy. No one's arguing that. Like he, he can put the ball in the basket efficiently any way 
you know, you want. Do you value Steph Curry's ability to, you know, hit a shot from 29 feet more than Kawhi's ability to, like, shut down the other team's best player no matter who they are? Yeah, it's a semantics thing. I I see what you're saying. Yeah, but so anyway, getting off track. um, Throwing Kyle Lowry, like, those guys have, even though they're young, they've been through, like, the playoffs already. It's like they're not going to be scared. Nick Nurse knows what the fuck he's doing. Right. Um, Like, I... I hate to say this because, like, Dwayne Casey seems like a really nice man and, like, a good dude, but that's an upgrade. Like, Dwayne Casey shat the bed, like, in tight in-game situations in the playoffs. We saw that year after year after year. You know, will Nick Nurse do that? I, we, have, we haven't seen it yet, so there's. I guess it's unfair to assume that he won't, but, like, if you listen to people around the league, like, Nurse... He, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So, John, I, it's funny because I, I look at it and I, I feel the same exact way. I look at this team and I think as Knicks fans, we know firsthand how good of an executive Masai Ujiri is. And the oh, team he's that, so good. It's scary how good he is. And the team that he's built here is just, you know, phenomenal, I think. But my question is, every year I feel like I do this to myself. Every year I convince myself the Raptors, this is their year. They're putting it all together. I did it last year when I told myself I wouldn't. I did it the year before. I did it the year before that. And I know LeBron's gone, and that does definitely change the game. But this team, it's not like they've looked good against other teams in the playoffs. With Lowry, Lowry disappears. I don't know if I can believe Serge Ibaka is going to keep this up. So for me, that's the question. Like, how do we still believe in this team after year after year of disappointment from them? It feels so different this year, though, to me. Like, I think yeah. as like as good of a player as DeRozan is, we can all agree it was just time for a culture change. And I mean, it's kind of hard to believe how good that it's worked out thus far but like and maybe it's just again us like trying to spin zone ourselves into oh it's different this year or whatever because god knows we've done it countless other years with you know other teams but it does feel different this year i want to i want to i gotta jump on something you said and, and not it's an opinion that's like shared by everybody you said for as good a player as DeRozan is like look i'm not gonna sit here and say a guy who averaged whatever 26 points last year on you know pretty efficient numbers um and made you know i think he made the all-nba third team right yeah like i'm not about to sit here and say that he's like not a good player but i mean jesus you want to talk about a guy who came up small like they benched him in the playoffs last year oh yeah um and he is like not a good defensive player and you're replacing that guy who doesn't stretch the floor at all, by the way, you're replacing him with a finals MVP who is about to go into a summer in which he is looking to get a max contract, either from you or somebody else. Like, you want to talk about upgrades? I mean, I... So, for for me, personally, I think it's a different... Like, I don't put any stock in the, oh, it's still the Raptors. Like, I think it's a different team, 100%. That's that's fair enough. If it's me, the... The team that I look at and feel like it's a different team and that would scare me if I was the one of the other three Eastern Conference teams that have a chance. For me, it's Milwaukee because I think with Budenholzer, I mean, I think he's just changed the game for them. I think a lot of their other pieces look a lot better, and Giannis is just unbelievable. 
I think Middleton's been shooting at. Uh, so, sorry to cut you off there, but I just want to say yeah, no, no, Middleton's been incredibly impressive this year to me. Like he's shooting. I don't know exactly what his percentage is, but I feel like every time I watch them, he's always just knocking down. Like he's always hot. I'm sure his you know percentages aren't that great, like in comparison. But regardless, I think that team is built in this modern NBA. Like like we said about Toronto, the three and D guys. Like I, that article in the Ringer kind of like explained how that is the roster that you need with those types of players and I do agree and I also agree that Milwaukee kind of fits that mold very well when Giannis like when he's going to the rim it's insane he takes like two steps from the three-point line if that and he's like dunking all over everybody no one's stopping him it's crazy to watch I love them no he's I think he's gonna win the MVP this year Hmm. Um, Chris Middleton is playing. He, I, he, I think he has already played himself into a max contract. Yeah. I, I just think they're one more year and maybe one more guy away. And I don't know if that guy is like, is it Divincenzo after another year? I know who it isn't. It isn't. It isn't Eric Bledsoe. I promise <laughs> you that. that. No, like you, you say it as a joke. I, I, I like. Yes, it's. I don't think it's Eric Bledsoe. Um, so I just because what's going to happen in whether it's the Eastern Conference semifinals, the Eastern Conference Finals, so you know whoever it is, the Raptors or Celtics is going to be like, all right, Giannis, you're not going to beat us, and he does not have the shooting to like a team could shut down Giannis. Like it's possible. I know he's the best, freakiest player in the world, but if you can't hit a three. I think there's a way for teams to shut you down, and I just don't know who else on that team, other than Middleton, am I scared of beating me? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. I think uh, I think for the for the last topic, we're gonna we're gonna ask for you to cover. I know you've been nice enough to give us some time here, but uh, maybe yeah. just maybe just get your thought on uh, the Knicks in general and sort of. You mean how awesome they are? Of course. Of course. Talk about how awesome the Knicks are. Frankie the bright MVP. future. The, the bright because future so we have. Awesome this year. So great. Uh, non infuriating at all. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, um, sure. Uh, I, I like every intelligent Knicks fan. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled about everything that's going on this year, despite the fact that they are um, a bad team that is that borders on some nights on being a terrible team. Um, I, you know. There are things to be concerned about. Like, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest Frank Nilakina stan on the earth. Um, right there with you. If I said his <laughs> shooting struggles weren't the teensiest bit concerning to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, how could you not like what's going on with this team? They're, they're finally doing what every smart Knicks fan has wanted them to do for most of the last two decades. It's like you play in the most famous arena in the world, friggin' Use that advantage. Like, set yourself up for someone to want to come by doing things the right way. Um, and it's like, yeah, people talk to talk about 2010. It's like, oh, they did that once and, and it didn't work. Yeah, they tried it one time. One right. time they tried it and it didn't work. So it's like, okay, we can never try that again. Well, first of all, circumstances are a little bit different this year. Second of all, you have um, a superstar in waiting in KP. He's 23 years old. It's like, Keep being patient. Keep playing these kids. Um, I love Fisdale. It's uh, 
Yeah, I agree with you. I honestly could not be happier the way the season has started, both like the record-wise in terms of lo- like the losses and putting yourself in a great position for one of these. I know you talk a lot about the Duke guys, but any one of these top ball, guys. Ball, yeah, ball, ball, ball. Like, all This <laughs> class is going to be staffed. We're putting ourselves in a great position. But we're not losing in typical Knicks embarrassing fashion. We're giving, I'd say, minus a, a couple, two or three or four games. Like We're competitive and playing hard and down to the final possessions in every single game, which at well, the end of the day... They've played 16 games, and they've held the fourth-quarter lead in 12 of those 16 games, including against um, five of the 12 best record-wise teams in the league. Exactly. So and, and for, for a bad team, that's not bad. And that's invaluable like experience that these young guys are getting in an opportunity where they can afford to not necessarily be judged on the, the wins and losses right now. I think we can all be excited about the gems that we have seemingly unearthed in Mitchell Robinson and Alonzo Trier. Those guys look like they're going to be pieces of this team for a long time, which is incredible to say. Like the Knicks having late draft and like unsigned free agent success. When have we ever heard that before? Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, I have to say that uh, that you, you know, I think you talked about blowing fourth quarter leads, and in all of those games, it just looked to me to, to be very apparent that the Knicks don't have. A go-to guy but lucky enough we do he's just happened to be injured right now so I think that for me that's probably the most pleasant thing that I've seen is that in a lot of games I've identified in the final minutes of the game you know we're using Tim Hardaway when in fact in in the future it's going to be KP which is going to be great and my question is can we continue to you know show that we have the defensive ability to be a good team because in the past, the Knicks have never had a good defense, not when Carmelo Anthony was there, not even before Carmelo Anthony was there. And so with some of the players we have now, Dotson, Frank, uh, Knox, these guys, you know, Mitchell Robinson, these guys theoretically are such plus defenders that I'm hoping that's real and not just what we've seen early this year. No, I, I think it is real, and I think just one thing to keep in mind, like um, – Kevin Knox is, you know, he's 19. He is, he's literally a teenager. Um, but he he profiles as someone athletically and, like, you know, all of the things that can be a good defender. Um, you know, Frank Villakina is obviously already showing the ability to be a really good defender. Mitchell Robinson, another guy, he doesn't know what he's doing on the floor some of the time, like, at all. But, <laughs> but he still finds a way to do a reverse alley-oop dunk. <laughs> even, even aside from that, his defense from summer league to now is, like, 200% better. It's still bad because he's, again, no, because he still doesn't know what he's doing. But that guy, like, that guy could be one of the best defensive centers in the league. Yeah, I mean, all his mistakes... Line. All his mistakes are clearly from being young. Too many fouls, hands are kind of yeah. in the wrong place, but it's totally teachable stuff. Yeah, so they'll, they'll, I think they'll, they, as long as they continue to be patient, continue to make the, make the right moves, I think they will absolutely um, get better on that end as well. All right, well, thanks a lot, John, for, uh, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, John. Good talking. Yes, and um, I want to say a shout-out to my daughter, who woke up from her nap early to <laughs> wake this entire podcast, and has um, been, she's been okay, and she's let me do this at two years old, and all I had to do was give her a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> Very uh, nice. I, I guess she woke up at the, at the sound of the Knicks, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not good parenting, I don't know what it is, but 
But yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate the time. Um, if you're listening out there, uh, check out uh, obviously nixfilmschool.com. Check me out on Twitter. JC Macri NBA and uh, yeah guys thanks for uh, having me on I appreciate yeah it. definitely check out Nick's Nick's Film School and, and Jonathan Macri on Twitter the, some of the premier uh, Nick's content in the, in the business awesome man thank you uh, thank both of you guys have a, a great rest of your day uh, you too man